0: Welcome to PIWC Worcester's podcast. Thank you for joining us. We pray that in your time spent with us, you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith. Please enjoy and may the Spirit illuminate your hearts.
1: Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. May you please have your seat. We give God all praise and honor for this awesome, awesome Sunday, and we thank God for your lives and for bringing us here, even together to worship. Last week, we had the privilege to worship with Boston, and uh, we want to bless the name of the Lord for what He's doing there, and they send all their love and their greetings Amen to you. Amen. Oh, your amen is sick. Amen. Amen, A healthy amen. Amen. Amen, You know what? Praise and worship, help me out here. Shall we be on our feet? I just want you to be in the spirit, somebody, wherever you are. Those of you watching from home. We serve a living God. He's still great. No circumstance changes him. No situation changes who he is. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's ugly, he's still God. So this morning, I want you to begin to acknowledge him. You are in the presence of this great God. I'm not sure what and why you are here, but I just want to announce to you that we are here to worship him. And So when we come into his presence, we lay every crown before him. Even as we lay every burden before him and we lift his name up. Because he is still God open your mouth and begin to bless the name of the Lord somebody from the bottom of your heart give him praise give him worship you
2: are great you are great you are great we still worship you Lord For you are great You do miracles Are great And there is no
1: Take all glory, move in this place, saturate the atmosphere, have your way in our midst. Yes, Jesus, reign in our midst, O oh God, be now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, shall we shout a big amen.
0: Amen.
1: And you may please have your seat. Thank you, Jesus. Turn your scriptures with me to Revelations chapter 3. We're reading from verse 14 to 22. Even as we continue with our series today, we pray that we finish it. So give us time while we get all these last two churches done today. And we'll try to move as the Spirit leads. Revelation 3, 14 to 22. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of all creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. (laughs) I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, and I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And I do not know, and do you not know, that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye of salve, or with eye salve, that you may see, verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat with the Father on his throne. Verse 22. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. This morning, we want to bless the Lord because He has set before us the last two churches. And this is the church of Laodicea, scripture says, and actually puts a label on them as the lukewarm church. What a coincidence. Because there are times where we come to His presence and we act lukewarm. God is sitting upstairs and looking down at us, and is like, "What's going on with my people?" And that is what the Lord wants us to talk about today. And then we would finish it up with the Church of Philadelphia, which brings great news. You realize that all the six churches looks like the Lord is angry, and indeed, He was angry at us because we were not representing and manifesting that which He has demonstrated. I mean, He has endowed in us to demonstrate His wisdom even to principalities in our generation. When you read carefully what we just read, you realize that this is the only church that Christ did not give any commendation. In the previous churches, you say, oh, you've done that. You're good. You, I know your works. You love people. Uh, you love ministry, X, Y, Z. But when he came to Laodicea, there was no commendation, nothing positive about that. He just went straight. At what the issue was, which means that God does not like lukewarmness. He detests people who are lukewarm. As we always do, let's just take a quick look at the history of the church or the city of Laodicea. As a matter of fact, still one of the seven cities in Turkey as we speak. And in their days, they were very wealthy, perhaps the wealthiest of all, the seven churches. And therefore, they were self-reliant. They could do everything because money was there. Commerce was booming. As a matter of fact, their textile industry was much larger than all the other servants that we talked about. Banking, commerce were all booming back in the day, so to speak, in Laodicea. And they were strategically located because they were in their route, if you will, trade route, as they call it, in the churches of Smyrna, which we talked about. In the churches of Sardis, which we just talked about last couple of weeks. And then two important cities, Hierapolis and Colosse, as in the church in Colossians, as you will, or the Colossians. As they were well situated, everybody was doing commerce, banking, trade, Taurus in Laodicea. In terms of founding of the church or establishing of the church, scripture and church history tells us that Epaphras... You might have heard that name before. A companion of Paul was the one that started the church of Colossae. And by virtue of that and its close proximity, church history and our fathers also attribute the possibility that he may have also founded the church in Laodicea. A pastor, a bishop who also traveled around with Apostle Paul. You read Colossians chapter 1, 6 to 7 gives you an inkling. Of how much affection he had for the people of Laodicea. And he says he continues to pray for them concerning their state. And their state was lukewarmness. When we read the verse 15 of this scripture, he says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. If Christ is judging us, and he's saying, I've seen, I've weighed your works, your deeds, and after evaluating it, I realize that you are neither cold, and you are neither hot. And that's a problem. And then he says, I could wish that you were cold or hot. Now, we want to delve into this a little bit, because that's sometimes the one of the most misinterpreted scriptures, if you will, in the book of Revelations. Now, this is what they call a prophetic metaphor, right? A metaphor, uh, you would say, maybe a parable, so to speak. But it has great meaning in relation to exactly what was going on in the church of Laodicea. Because it took its character from the city in which the church was established. And As a matter of fact, that's so true. Every city, town, location has a spirit that wants to have dominion. And when the people of God don't rise and fight and pray, you realize that that spirit of the city pushes us down. And that which the Lord wants to do is never accomplished. So you can see the city of Worcester has its own spirits that want to suppress the things of the Lord. I pray that we would get that revelation and begin to rise as soldiers of the cross. Hallelujah. And begin to fight against. Every principality. That is the role of the church, that we will demonstrate the wisdom and power of God to all principalities in every generation. And I pray that God grants us that grace, even in our generation also. Shout a big amen to that. Hallelujah. Now, this is the origin of this metaphor, which Christ, through Apostle John, was speaking to the church established or situated in Laodicea. It happens to be in if you will, a triangle of three cities. So you have Laodicea in the middle, so to speak. And then you have Herapolis at the north. And then you have Colosse at the south, if you will. The thing with these three <laughs> cities is they kind of had a healthy rivalry because Laodicea seems to think they all that. They got everything. They don't need anybody's help. But God, in His own wisdom, gave certain natural resources to all these cities. So Heropolis at the north happens to have what they call hot spring water. And so people would travel from all walks of life just to go and have a spa, so to speak, right? A, A bath in that hot spring water because it was believed to have some medicinal and healing properties. And then Colossae, or the church, or the people of Colossians, have a cold spring water. And so when people want some really cool water to drink, right, uh, perhaps uh, 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 sparkling water to drink in our days, they can go all the way to Colosse and have some really chilling water to drink. So that also attracted to them some level of tourist and people. Paul Lyducia, they were stuck in the middle. And they had no hot spring, neither did they have any cool water spring. So, in their wisdom, and because they know that they are self-dependent, they can do anything that they want. History tells us that they devise a mechanism. In our days, um, those of you that are engineering call aqueduct. Aqueduct is just a narrow strip of uh, water source, right? They dig it and then they line that aqueduct to the source of a particular water. So in this case, they line it up so that it goes to the source of the hot spring water in Herapolis so that they can get some water source as well. The problem with that is <laughs> by the time the water flows from Herapolis from the north, six miles away, till it gets to Laodicea, it has lost its hot property. Oh, hallelujah. Are you with me so far? And so when he gets to the city of Laodicea, they can't bath in it because it's not hot. Neither can they drink it because it's not cold. So it became useless water, so to speak. As a matter of fact, history tells us that people who try to drink it, drink it and they spit it out because it was a bad taste. Those who want to go and take a hot bath, thinking it still has some healing properties, went in there and it's bleh, nothing. So in our days, we could say that if you wanted hot coffee, medium hot coffee, cream and sugar, you would go to a uh, Herapolis. Oh, is somebody here with me? And if you wanted iced tea, uh, like my wife, who wants, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> Frozen coffee with caramel and whipped cream on it. (laughs) Now you go to where? Colossi. You you understand what I'm saying? And so if somebody were to come to Laodicea thinking he's going to get hot coffee, cream and sugar like I do, he can't find it. Or perhaps all the English people, hot tea, right? And then if they want some frozen coffee or iced tea, they can't find it either. Yet, Laodicea is sitting in the middle thinking they are all that. We are rich. We are knowledgeable. All the banking is here. All the textiles are here. We don't need anybody's help. And Christ uses that as an analogy, a metaphor, to speak to them. You are neither cold or hot. I wished that you would be hot or cold. But because you are neither one of those, you are just useless in my mouth, so to speak. And for that reason, I must spit you out. Now, the deep rumor in this is that not that hotness means that you are audacious and all good, and then perhaps coldness means that you are dull. No. But coldness means you are also good, and hotness also means you are good, because both of them had good Purposes, and so Christ is saying, if I endow you to possess coldness, in the sense of healing that thirst of people, somebody walks all the way from Smyrna and gets here and wants some cool water to quench his spiritual thirst. I want you to possess that quality. If somebody were to come and say, I want to sleep, or not sleep, I want to swim in a hot bath. And have some healing property. I want you to have the same hotness. Oh, I hope I'm speaking (laughs) to somebody. God has placed something unique in every church. And I'm talking cooperatively and individually. But we become lukewarm. So God says, go to Tito. Go to Asante. I have some special grace on him. And if you were to go to him. You would have X, Y, Z answered. And the person walks to you, and then to his or her disappointment, that grace cannot even be found. That is what churches in the end times are becoming. A lukewarm church is when you have the spirit of apathy, right? Well, anyway, whatever, anything goes. And when that spirit sets in, you know what happens? Murmuring and complaining. That's it. And so when God is placed in a strategic position to do X, Y, Z, because you are lukewarm, neither would you do it, neither would you let somebody else also do it. You're just occupying space, matter. You remember your <laughs> elementary physics, right? Anything that has mass or weight and can occupy space. There's no substance in it. But this morning the Lord is speaking to you and I. Get your fervency back. If it's that property of coldness, get your freezing cold fervency back. If it's hot, get your hot fervency back. Because the moment you become lukewarm, like in Laodicea, Christ is telling us, I have no use of you. And for that reason, I'll spit you out. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Oh, say it again, Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. That was the state of the church in Laodicea. What causes these lukewarmness? As we see here. Verse 17 of the same scripture Revelation 3:17 says because you say i am rich i have become wealthy and i need nothing i have need of nothing there is a mindset and mentality when a person gets to where he or she feels that i have arrived you know i don't need counseling i don't need Teaching, I don't need directions, I'm all that. You old school people, you whatever, whatever you say. Because I'm rich, I'm all that. That is called pride and arrogance. The moment pride and arrogance sets in a believer's life, you know that you are just going down. I've said it multiple times. The moment a person feels that they have landed at a position and they need no grace in their life, that's the moment you know that you have fallen. Right there. You're already on the floor and you don't even know it. Just like the church in Sardis, the dead church. He says, you think you are alive and all kicking and revving all over the place. But the fact is, you are just existing. There's no substance of my spirit in you. The same thing in Laodicea. I am rich. I become wealthy. And I need nothing. But look what he says in the same verse 17. He says, but you are wretched, miserable, poor. Blind, and sadly enough, naked. How can a rich, healthy, wealthy, I don't need no help, still be viewed in the sight of God to be wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? May the Lord have mercy on us. Oh, I said, may God have mercy on us. Listen, God gave you that grace so that you will use it to glorify Him. He is bragging about you that I have endowed this sister, this brother, with such an amount of grace that he or she will use it to glorify my name. That is God saying. But you have become lukewarm, you are all over complaining. This is not good. Oh, this is that. This is that. So you can't even commit to a simple assignment that the Lord has given you. When you realize that you are complaining too much, sister, brother, check yourself. You are becoming lukewarm. And in no time, God forbid, but you be like Sardis. There's no spark in you anymore. You see how nowadays you struggle even to do the things of the Lord? Have you checked yourself out lately? Things that you had joy to do, like you can't even wait. All of a sudden it's dwindling. Because you've gotten to a point of pride and arrogance. This stuff is too old school for me. This stuff is not too late for me. This stuff is this. All these complaining that we do. Sometimes we don't say it loud, but we say it in our hearts. And the moment you begin to do that and do that, the fervency of the spirit in you goes down you quench quenching the spirit and you grieve in the spirit. So you come and you stand and everybody can see your countenance. You are there, all right. Occupying space, all right. Occupying your position, all right. You are pastor, all right. Elder, all right. Deacon, deaconess, all right. Member, all right. But there is nothing fervent about you. Oh, Lord, grant us grace. Grant us grace and mercy. That we will not be a lukewarm church. Unteachable spirit, I have no need for no one, is what Odysseus said. I'm all I'm that, I'm good. It reminds me of Apollo's landing in Ephesus, thinking he's all good, eloquent, smart, very knowledgeable, philosophically. He could speak. Paul was a little bit flimsy with his words. Apollo was sharp. And Bible says, Aquila and Priscilla looked at him and says, man, this brother is sharp with words. But he lacks substance. The Bible says they pulled him on the side and says, bro, these are the basics of the kingdom. And from that day on, Apollos became a different person. Speaking to somebody in here, learn to be taught. Oh, let me repeat that. Learn to be taught. Learn to humble yourself and sit under authority. Your mother, your father, your pastor, your elder, your ministry leader. People whom God, through his wisdom, has placed you in their care. Because you may know stuff way better than they do, but they got some stuff that you don't have. And if you want to be a smart and great and excellent person in your ministry, take what they have, add it to yours. That will make you complete. Complete. But in our days, in our dispensation, we have so many unteachable spirits working around us. That's too old for me. That's too boring for me. That's too whatever. All kinds of adjectives. You will become lukewarm. Because in God's own wisdom, he placed you there for a purpose. So that they keep pouring in you, pouring in you, pouring in you. So with your smartness and eloquence and and, and whatever else God has given you, you're also getting more. And you are growing from one level of glory to another level of glory. Tell your neighbor, I know he's six feet away from you, don't remain stagnant. Or tell him or her again, don't remain stagnant. Let the spirit of the Lord continue to stir you up each day. Ignorance is the third one. You see, the sound thing is when you're walking naked and you don't know you're naked. Hello? Or, oh, God forbid, you're walking and then there's a patch, I mean, a split at the back of your pants. You know, Let me use myself as an example. I'm standing on stage here, and then there's a big split at the back of my back, and I'm walking, talking like I'm talking, and I have no clue. And everybody is laughing. Quack, 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 quack. I'm like, oh, am I preaching well? Yeah, today the preaching is going well, right? But they are not laughing and happy about my preaching. They're laughing at my split behind. You see that picture? That is what was happening to Lardis We don't need nobody. We're good. I'm all that. I'm all good. But then Jesus says, look at you. You are wretched, miserable, blind, poor, and above all, naked. But pride has filled your heart so much that you can't even see your present circumstance. This morning, may the Lord bring revelation. Oh, I said, may the Lord bring us revelation. Nobody has landed yet. (laughs) Far be it. We're still on the journey, cruising. Lots of valleys and hills, a lot of potholes, a lot of flat tires. So the moment you think you've landed and you don't need anything, you will be stuck. At this day, the Lord is asking us, don't stay stagnant. Let the fervency that he's placing you continue to stir himself up in you so that you land where he wants you to land. Pride and arrogance, unteachable spirit and ignorance was full in the church of Laodicea, and therefore they became lukewarm. Let's go through it. What do we do then, since we now know what our state is this morning? Number one, reading from verse 18 of the same chapter. Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich. That's a great, another prophetic metaphor. In your mind, you're looking at all your physical wealth thinking you're all good. But I want to tell you that those don't amount to nothing. Our physical, material stuff has no eternal value. And therefore, I need you to put that on the side. Come get from me gold that is refined with fire that you may be rich spiritually and not rely on your materialistic mindset, your achievements, your accolades, your degrees. The many certificates hanging on our walls. They have no eternal value. Buy the real stuff. In other words, why would you be so passionate about the fake when you can get the original, is what Jesus was telling them. Only Christ can supply our everlasting inheritance. And therefore, he commands us to come to him to purchase spiritual riches. 1 Peter 1 to 3, even as we read this carefully. And stay with me today. Don't worry about the time. We'll get through this because the Spirit of the Lord wants us to go deep into some of these things. 1 Peter 1, 3, 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For to what? An inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, And that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's what we need to pursue. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. But look at 7. That the genuineness of your faith, the fervency of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Buy the real stuff. And it takes humility to realize that you don't have that much, and therefore I need the real stuff from the Lord. But this morning the Lord is speaking to us. How do I get over the lukewarmness? Buy the real stuff. Don't rely on your own self. Come to me. Because I can revive you every single minute, every single hour. When you're short on your gas, get to my spiritual gas station and fill yourself up. That is what the Lord is saying. Number two. Buy from me white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Look at that. Remember what they had? Great textile industry. They dealed in purple just like the neighboring states. But theirs was on a higher level, high tech, booming business. And so they thought they had all the clothes. You want a three-piece suit? Go to yeah You want slim fit? Go to like this, yeah. Some of us can fit in one of those. I don't know why they even make those things. (laughs) Oh, mercy, mercy. Hallelujah. I don't have no skinny leg here. Hey, (laughs) Right? Buy from me white garment that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. That is what Jesus is saying. Forget about all the three Ps and the slim fit and the flex fits and all the fits. That makes you feel that you don't need anything else. Because even in those fits, you are still naked. And when you buy from me a white garment, that which covers your filth, that which covers your iniquities, then all your nakedness will be covered. See, that is what Jesus does. That we can always run to him and say, Lord, I am sorry. I messed up. Wash me. Cleanse me. And if you think you don't need it, then in your own self-righteousness, all your nakedness are exposed. Let me read this. Ezekiel 16, 8 That's a passionate scripture of mine. I just want to take this opportunity to read that. Just read it. Ezekiel. 16, 4 to 6. God talking in a passionate, loving, affectionate way to the people of Israel in relation to us as well. He says, "As for your birth. This is God speaking. Your umbilical cord wasn't cut on the day you were born. He's bringing them back to the state in which he found them. And many of us, let's relate. Where God found you. Where he found you. And you weren't washed clean with water, even when you were born. You were not rubbed in salt, as is done traditionally, or wrapped in cloth. No one cared enough about you to even do one of these things out of compassion for you. But you were thrown out into open field because you were despised on the day you were born. Mercy verse 6 and i passed by you and i saw you lying in your blood and i said to you as i lay i said to you as you lay in your blood live oh somebody live in the name of jesus yes i said to you as you lay in your blood live verse 7 and i made you thrive like plants of the field you grew up and matured and became very beautiful your breasts were formed and your hair grew, but you were stuck naked, stuck naked. Then I passed by you again and saw you, and you were indeed at the age for love. So I spread the edge of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. And I pledged myself to you, entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine. This is the declaration of the Lord. Let it sink into your spirit, somebody. Where the Lord found us, picked us up, and where he has brought us. Is this the time to say, I am rich, I'm wealthy, I don't need no one else, I can do all by myself. You've become lukewarm. Because even in that mindset, he still says you are naked. Ezekiel 16. Talking to us. What else can we do? Number three. He says, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. This is what he told the church in Laodicea. Because you're walking around thinking you got it all, you know all, but you are blind. You're going in circles. You're going the wrong route. You see, sometimes our focus is off. <laughs> and I'm not talking about your glasses, by the way. Talking about your spiritual focus is off. That reminds me, I need to go check my eye this year. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Because we're looking for something that we think is right in our sight. That is a wrong focus. We're going searching for things that are self-motivation and fills our own self-desires. I gotta go to that then. I gotta go to that program. I gotta go to here. I gotta go there. I got go. Have you even realized what you're doing? You're going all over in the place when the thing that God wants and needs, and it's yours, it's right in front of you. He's searching for things that are not. When through faith in Christ Jesus, you can have all things. This is what he's saying here. Many are looking and searching for the glitter, but not all that glitter is gold. And that's why he says, forget about the fake gold. Come to me, buy the gold that is refined and eternal. So you'll be rich spiritually. Listen, church, only Jesus can heal our spiritual blindness. Brings me to the story in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus touched a young man. and says, what do you see? He says, I see men like trees walking. How did you know how men looked like? And how did you know how trees looked like if you've been blind all this while? His faith was lukewarm. Lukewarm. And so though he was healed, his lukewarm faith thinks, oh, I see people, but I see them like trees. And Jesus touched him again. What do you see? He now I see clearly. Some of us this morning, we need a second touch. Oh, if you need a second touch, say, Lord, touch me once more. Ah, say, Lord, touch me once more so I can see clearly. By from me, I solve. Oh, hallelujah. Even as we wrap up on Laodicea, a plea and a promise from the Lord as he has rebuked them. Remember he says, those I love, I chastise. And you realize that every church that we've, we've studied from Ephesus all up to now is full of some harsh, strong, Angry words from Christ. But if you love someone, that's what you do. You can't stand to see that person go astray. If it means snatching them from fire, you do that. And that is what the Lord has done throughout these studies of the churches. But here's a plea that he gave us in this church context of Laodicea. One, acknowledge discipline and correction. Acknowledge discipline. And correction. Because it says, those that I love, I rebuke and I chastise. Hebrews twelve six. Number two, be zealous and repent, he tells them. We've already talked about repentance. It's not a crying. It's not just feeling sorry. It's not just, oh, I, I, Lord, oh, Lord, you know. No, it's actually turning 180 degrees around. It's okay to feel remorseful. It's okay to cry because it's shameful and all. It's okay to even, you know, be shaking since you were caught. It's okay. But that's not repentance. What you are doing, turn around and do what God says you should do. So he says, be zealous and repent. Don't play with it. Why? Because I stand at your door every day and I'm knocking. Knocking on your heart that you will repent. This morning, the Lord is speaking to somebody. You are looking at me, watching me from home. The Lord is speaking to you. He's knocking on your heart door every single day, waiting for the day that you open. But it takes repentance to say, Lord, come in. Come right in. You see, we, we sing this song, oh, he lives in me, he lives in me. You can say it, and it can be only a slogan with no meaning. Because though you are saved, God has no lordship over your life. He's saying, I'm knocking. This is not for the unbelievers. This is for the church in Laodicea. This is for you. This is for me. And Jesus is saying, I am still knocking. So you think he's in, but you have not actually opened the door. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Let him be Lord of your life. And look at what he says. When you open me up. I will come in, ah, hallelujah, and I will dine with you, and you will dine with me. Why? Because I seek relationship. We talked about it initially in Ephesus. That God is not looking for attachment. As in our contemporary days, some of you are just attached, attached left and right with no relationship. That's what I do. It's a name on you. That, oh, that's my girlfriend. That's my boyfriend. That's... That is an attachment. Jesus is looking for a relationship, a covenant. So if you are touched, I pray in the name of Jesus, may you quit. Both spiritually and physically. If you've gotten to the level where you find yourself to want to be in a covenant relationship, as in marriage, allow the Lord to take control quit that attachment. Because the moment you do that, you become lukewarm in your love for him. That's what the Lord is saying. I'm knocking. All I'm asking is that you open me up. And if you do, I'm always ready to sit, dine with you, talk to you, reveal stuff to you. See, when you're having a nice dinner with your wife or your husband, see when you all of a sudden become romantic. You see, you don't take your wife to dinner, so you don't even know what I'm talking about. That is what Jesus wants to do for us. Oh, hallelujah. All the men, may you repent. In Jesus' name. Verse 21 and 22, even as we hone in quickly, we're wrapping up. Stay with us in the spirit. This is the final promise. If all these things are done, if all these things that I have told you, Church of Light this year, Church of PWCU, as an individual church, if you follow my counsel, is what Jesus is saying, then to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me. Paul will say we are even now seated in heavenly places, right? But we are doing that by faith. Oh, hello, am I speaking to somebody? That is what the expectation is. That when we have acknowledged him, when we have given him our full attention, when he has lordship in our life, when he controls our every desire and every thought, then we are as if we are sitting next to Christ in heavenly places. But if that is not there, we are just all over the place. So he says, if you overcome... I will grant you to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat with my father on his throne. Oh, hallelujah. That is what the Lord is looking for in these end days, for this end time church. That we will overcome the obstacles that come in our way. That we will not give up in our relentless pursuit of his love. That whatever task he's given us, we do it with passion and zeal, without murmuring and complaining. Listen, if you feel that the Lord is being so burdensome on you, in the least of your reasonable worship for him, quit. Let me repeat that. If for some reason your mindset is, I'm being bothered in doing this little, little thing for Jesus, sister, quit. Brother, Quit. And you know what? God will raise others who have passion and can wait. In this dispensation, we have people thinking that we can't do without them. Who told you? Before you came to his house, weren't people there? Before you loved him when he loved you first, weren't people loving him back? What makes you think you are all that, I'm rich? I don't need no one else. I have need for nothing. Repent. As I have repented. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. Oh, mercy, Lord. Mercy. Mercy, Lord. That you don't spit us out. Hey, where would we be if the Lord were to spit us out? After we've been into the enemy's camp, and he has redeemed us, and now he spits us out. Can you imagine what the enemy is going to do? Have a feast with us. Had it not been for his love and grace and protection. P-I-W-C, where would we have been? Why are we acting like Laodicea? With a lukewarm attitude. And mindset the good news is there's a church called Philadelphia who knows who they are who knows how far the Lord has brought them who love unconditionally who have the passion for God in spite of what is going on who says Lord I know there's a problem but what can I do to fix that problem and not complaining murmuring all the time Revelation 3 7 to 13 just going to read this and we'll get into a time of prayer. Seven. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. I hope that's the right quotation for you there. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write. These things says he who is holy. See how he's describing himself? In Isaiah, he says these things say he who is amen. Completion, perfection, the beginning and the end and everything else in between. He knows it all. And so if you think you all that he says, I am the completion. Here he's saying he who says he's holy. He who is true. He who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. How? How I pray that even with a few days that are left in 2020, may God open. Ah, I say may the Lord open. Because when he opens, no one shuts. You've been waiting upon the Lord. All he's asking you is love me, focus on me. Because when you do, I hold the keys to that door. And when I open, no one can shut. May his word come to pass in somebody's life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 8. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. And mm. Ah, uh, I have set before you. And you, an open door. And no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. He knows our weaknesses and have kept my word in spite of that and have not denied my name in spite of that. Verse 9, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, we talked about it in one of the churches, who say they are Jews and are not, but liars. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet Mm, and to know that I have loved you. Verse 10, because you have kept my commandments. Somebody says, you have kept my commandments. Ah, to preserve, and I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly. We are in the end time, church people. You don't need to have a gift of prophecy to see what's going around. I am coming quickly. Quickly, therefore, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Mm. It, it will be painful. Now, with all that we do here, I will get to heaven, and somebody else has my crown. It would have had Carl written on it, but now it is wrapped off, and somebody else's. It will be painful. But Jesus is telling us, hold fast to your faith. Because there's a crown waiting for you up there. You're going through trials, tribulations, hard times. People are confusing you, telling you stuff. Do this, oh, don't do this, do this. Hold fast to your faith. Don't let nobody cheat you of your inheritance. Both right here in our dispensation and then up there. Hold on to your faith. Let no one take your crown. Verse 12, he who overcomes I will make him a pillar Mm. in the temple of my God. How many pillars do we have in the house? Oh, lift your hand and say, I am one of those pillars. Lift your hand and say, I am one of those pillars. Your hand is down. You're not sure about your inheritance in the Lord. Say, I am one of those pillars. And you didn't make yourself that way. He is making you so. As long as you rely on him. As long as you rely on him. And I write your name on the name of my God, in the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down or comes down out of heaven for my God. And I will write on him my name. People who are called by my name. <laughs> we are Hazel. Let me emphasize the O. We are Hazel. Yes, we are. <laughs> he who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the church. P.I., this is what the Lord has walked us through this past couple of months. Even as we get ourselves ready to pray. Just be on your feet. started with us with the church in Ephesus says you are the loveless church. I don't see that passion of love and affection anymore. For that reason, remember where you have fallen from and repent. And then go back to your first love. Talked about Smyrna, the persecutor church. He says, I know all that you're going through. Some of you are in some dire, undescribable, indescribable pain and trial and tribulation. But he says, I know all that. Be strong and faithful to the end. Says to the church in Smyrna. Talked to us about a church in Pegamum which is a compromising church. They just compromised easily. Weak heart, weak mind. Anything comes in and boom, they take it. It says, beware of the Balaam and the Balak spirit, who are the false prophets. Beware of the Nicolaitans, who are the false teachers, who make it sound so, mm, man, that's so wonderfully articulated. It sounds logically true and philosophically right. And we follow. It says, beware, because you are becoming like the church in Pergamum. Talked about Thyatira, the corrupt church. It says, beware of the Jezebel spirit which comes in and seduces us. Takes our love and affection of Christ onto filthy things. Stealing our wives and husbands. Beware. Don't be like Tatira. Pay attention, he says. And take your life back. And present it to me. We talked about Sardis, the dead church. Walking around all hip. Jumpy, charismatic, but in my sight, you're already dead. You're just a dead man walking. Just don't be like the whitewashed tombs. But seek spiritual revival, and I thank God for next year's theme, which is the same thing, a glorious church possessing nations, except it's a glorious church revived to possess nations. We can be a lukewarm church and possess, which nation are you possessing? You can't even possess your own self if you are lukewarm. But when the spirit within dwells you brings revival, constant daily revival, then you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And then, of course, like this here today, and the church of Philadelphia, full of love, true love, covenantal love. Knowing who they are. And therefore, Jesus never even commented on anything wrong with the church in Philadelphia. All that he said was good stuff. May you and I be Philadelphia. Oh, hallelujah. May you and I be, this P.R.O.B.C. B.C., be Philadelphia. That we will begin to exhibit that which he has endowed us with. That his name will be glorified. Lift up your hands, oh God. Lift up your hands. Oh, we bless your name, oh God. We thank you, Lord. Hey, my tenable. I love you.
2: Express your love unto him. Somebody tell God something this morning. Yeah,
1: we worship you we worship you We honor you
2: Let it be a sweet
0: sweet sound in your ear
2: hey, hey let it be
0: a sweet sweet oh. sound in, in, in your ear
1: that's our worship to you Jesus We love you, Lord. Oh, we love you. Not in voice, not in music, not in sound, but we love you from every being. Oh, God, we bless your name. Take joy, Jesus, in this new repented and revived church that you've made us. Pray that you constantly, oh, God, purge us revive us, refine us. Open our eyes and our understanding to see your ways. Cause us to will and to do according to your good pleasures. We are here for you because indeed your word says that we are yours. says the Lord, take us and use us for your glory. Pray for your divine protection throughout the end of this year. May you protect us, O God, with your hedge of fire. And in our midst manifest your glory. Order our steps, O God, the right way. Crush every spirit of arrogance and pride in us. May we shut our mouths, O God, with complaining and murmuring. Knowing that it is only a reasonable act of worship. That we will give our whole heart, our mind, and soul unto you. That is all that you desire. You said you're knocking on the door. This morning we open up, Jesus. Oh, we open up, oh
2: God. Yay, we open up our hearts and our minds and our being.
1: Come in and reside. Have your rightful place. We're giving that back to you. Dine with us. Fellowship with us. Fill us up and use us for your glory. We bless you. We thank you for your divine revelation throughout these months. Pray that it would have a place in our hearts and your spirit will constantly prompt us to that effect because at the end of it all, you only will deserve that glory. May you have your way in our midst, in your church from this day forward and in forevermore. In Jesus' name, and shall we all shout a big amen. Oh, my bigger Amen.
0: Thank you once again for joining us. We pray that you were blessed. Click on the other episodes to continue on this journey with us. Don't forget to share and follow this podcast. God bless you.